This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath is in the house. She's taking your calls and your questions as we head into the election. So let me give out the numbers again before we get right to it. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Andrea, thank you so much for being here. It's always my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation, Libby. Okay. I I have to say, the last month or so, uh, you seem to have had a very low profile. People are saying, where's Andrea Horvath? Where's Andrea Horvath? Was that uh, some kind of strategic thing? And Any rhyme or reason for that? In fact, I've been all around the province. So, I mean, I might not have been uh, here in the GTA every minute of every day, but I've certainly been all around the province. Uh, I've been to Northern Ontario. I've been to Southwestern Ontario. Um, I've been, um, you know, I've been here in Toronto doing a number of different things. And so, um, again, uh, if people go on my Twitter feed or my Facebook page, they'll see that I've been very, very active. Sometimes you get the impression if uh, if my name's not in every news article uh, that um, I haven't been doing anything, but uh, I've been very, very busy listening to the people of Ontario and putting forward some great ideas for change for the better. Okay, well, let's start with the breaking news of the day. David Livingston sentenced uh, just about an hour ago, four months in jail for uh, uh, Dalton McGuilty uh, fiddling with the computers. What is that going to make a difference at this point? Well, I mean, I think what it does is serve to remind people about how nasty that gas plant scandal actually was, uh, remind people that it was the Liberals' decision to cancel this gas, this, these two gas plants in Mississauga and Oakville um, in order to save their seats politically. Uh, and then, you know, the kerfuffle, if you will, that went on afterwards, as we determined uh, in a legislative committee, that in fact, in order to cover up uh, some of the decisions that were made, and the reason behind the decisions that were made, which is that was all politically motivated, uh, they tried to expunge the record. They tried to get rid of public records uh, uh, with the uh, the email scandal, which is what Mr. Livingston is now, um, you know, going to be serving time for. Now, uh, the general political wisdom is that the Liberals are figuring that the only way they can stay in power and win this election is to move to the left and to convince your voters, NDP voters, that uh, they should vote Liberal in order to stop Doug Ford. Uh, what are you doing about that? Well, I mean, I, I think it's gone beyond that this time. I mean, I think that that's, that's maybe the playbook that the Liberals have uh, have used in previous elections, but we know that 80% of Ontarians don't want Kathleen Wynne as the Premier anymore. Uh, They want to see some change in the province. They want a different government come June 7th. Uh, And so the Liberals can continue to try that that tactic, but really this is an election that's going to put um, a new Premier in the Premier's chair. And so people need to ask themselves, what's that going to look like? It's not just about change. It's about what kind of change uh, we're going to see in Ontario. And that's why we've been offering, as we 
always do a lot of great ideas and a lot of great plans to help um, you know support people and and make sure that people can build a good life here again. So everything from our dental plan to our truly universal pharmacare plan uh, to a number of other initiatives. Our platform is uh, very shortly going to be unveiled. It'll be fully costed. Uh, it has a, a very responsible fiscal plan attached to it, and and people will have a stark choice. It's either Doug Ford in the Premier's chair or Andrea Horvath. And I think that's what this election is shaping up to be. Uh, Some of the latest polls do show that since the Liberals released their budget, that that you are being squeezed somewhat. And uh, as usual, they seem to have taken some of your NDP ideas in that budget, we have they've extended uh, pharmacare to make it com- completely, or the Ontario drug plan for uh, people over sixty-five to be completely free, offering childcare, expensive childcare for toddlers between two and a half and four. Though all of that would be pushed into the future. I mean, uh, you know, it's lunchtime now. Are they eating your lunch? Well, I mean, I think the reality is that uh, they can make all the announcements they want, but people have decided already that they're, they're, they don't want Kathleen Wynne as the premier anymore. So again, this budget can have all kinds of promises in it, but it will never be implemented because that's not what people want anymore in, in the province. And so, uh, again, um, I'm looking forward to my platform. It's change for the better for Ontario, not just change for the sake of change, uh, but change for the better. And so what we'll do is look at the things that have worked um, in, in the province uh, over the last number of years, and we're not going to mess with the things that are working. Uh, but certainly the things that aren't working, we're prepared to do the heavy lifting and uh, and make some, some changes that will positively affect Ontarians. And, and that's, uh, I mean, again, we don't want to throw out uh, some of the positive initiatives, things like all-day kindergarten, for example, uh, and there are others, uh, things like cap-and-trade. We think these things are important, and we're going to keep them on track. Uh, but uh, but we'll, we'll form a government that actually pays attention to the needs of all Ontarians. It shouldn't be that that's only some Ontarians are able to get the prescription drugs that they need. Notwithstanding the Liberal plan uh, to expand it to seniors, it still leaves a whole whack of people between the ages of 25 and 65 unable to afford their prescription drugs. I met a guy the other day in Oshawa who told me that he is ready to retire. He's got his 80 factor. His retirement is um, able to happen this year. He has to postpone it by five years until he's 65 years old because he can't afford his diabetes medication, which costs him about $21,000 a year. So the premier's, you know, $400 of uh, of rebates in terms of prescription drug costs are going to come nowhere near helping this uh, person to be able to uh, afford his drugs. And so he has to stay working and he can't spend that time with his grandchildren that he was really looking forward to spend, you know, from the age of 60 to, uh, you know, to the future uh, because he has to stay working. Okay, I am here with Andrea Horvath, and we're talking about the upcoming election. Uh, The NDP says that their uh, election, if they are elected, that would be changed for the better. So do you have questions about what she might do if she wins the next election about some of her platforms? We haven't seen the full platform yet. Uh, And she's here to answer any of your other questions. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. In this budget, the Liberals uh, pledge to make uh, a a drug plan completely free for people over 65. Would you keep that? 
Uh, well, as I said, anything that's working and that people are are receiving, uh, we are not going to mess with. But what we do want to what we do want to do is is deal with the all those people in the middle, like the uh, the fellow uh, that I was just talking about from Oshawa. I mean, we we need to make sure that nobody uh, walks out of a doctor's office with a prescription only to shove it into the bottom of their purse or or into their pocket, knowing that they're not going to be able to get the drugs that they need to get better or to stay well. That shouldn't be happening to anybody regardless of their age. So we do have a plan uh, to make sure that everyone has access to prescription drugs. But that um, abolishing those co-pays and the deductible, uh, that wouldn't go into effect until 2019, even under the Liberal plan. So you have an opportunity, I guess, to figure if you're going to do that or not do that. Yeah, I mean, again, one of the things that we don't want to do is uh, is take away things uh, from people that are are already in place. And so we're, you know, come January, or sorry, come June 7th, uh, when we're, you know, when we're taking office and we're looking at the lay of the land, we'll, we'll have some decisions to make, but we want to make sure uh, that um, the, principal, the principle of universality is upheld, which means everyone should have access, regardless of your age, regardless of how much money you make, uh, regardless of what kind of illnesses you may have, you should be able to have access to uh, the prescription drugs you need, which is a little bit different than our dental care plan, to be honest with you. Uh, our dental plan is, is universal access. In other words, everybody has access to dental care, uh, but um, it's going to be a little bit different. So for seniors and for uh, young people, um, you know, actually for seniors and for people on social assistance, um, there's one kind of part of the program, and that is that they'll be able to access dental care with their OHIP cards. Uh, I don't know if you know, but um, one third of seniors um, are are still getting benefits once they retire, but two thirds of seniors who had dental benefits you know, their entire working lives, lose those benefits upon retirement. And so we're going to make sure that the dental care plan uh, is able to cover them as well as uh, the very lowest income folks on social assistance who have, you know, minor emergency type care now, uh, but really need to get uh, to get full dental care. And then in the middle, like all of the other folks that there's 4.5 million people uh, that don't have dental benefits in our province. So one third of working people don't. And what we're going to do is make sure that the employers who are unable at this point to provide uh, dental benefits for their for their uh, workers will be able to do so through a, a very um, a cost-effective Ontario benefits plan. Uh, one of the big barriers is the cost to the smaller employers as well as the administrative, uh, you know, the administrative nightmare that small uh, companies have to undertake to to put together these plans and to um, administer them. Uh, so that's why the Ontario uh, and NDP government in Ontario will put an Ontario benefits plan together to help facilitate those uh, those one third of employers uh, to be able to provide benefits. But you know what? There's a whole bunch of people who don't have an employer. Traditionally, right? There's lots of people in the gig economy, lots yep. of people working contract and all of those things. Those people need to be covered as well. And uh, just as a note, before we start taking uh, calls, uh a very large percentage of emergency room visits are actually triggered by a dental problem, uh, yeah. which is really weird and uh, um, obviously needs to be addressed. Yeah. Every three Some minutes, of- every three minutes in Ontario, someone's either going to an emerge emergency ward or to a doctor's office for pain in their mouth. Uh, and you know why? It's because. They know they don't have to pull out a checkbook when they go to Emerge, and they know they don't have to pull out their visa when they go to the doctor's office, and uh, they also know that they can't afford dental care. So they're hoping to get some kind of pain relief or something uh, from a place where we know that that's um, that dental care is not provided, right? Okay. Uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Ron in Guelph. Hi, Ron. Hello there. Um, thanks for taking my call. 
Um, well, first of all, I want to congratulate Andrea Horwath because my 16-year-old son would be voting for you tomorrow if he could vote. <laughs> So, oh, thanks, Ron. <laughs> he takes after his mother, so I'm not quite so sure where I stand yet. All I know is I will not be voting for the Liberals. Okay. Listen to your family members, Ron. Listen to your family members. <laughs> so what, what, what do you want to hear anyway, from Anyway, what I'd like to know is uh, we already know that the, um, the Liberals' plan is going to push Ontario even farther into debt to the point where we might end up becoming a banana republic. That's an exaggeration, but still... How do you plan to pay for all of these things that you're coming out with? I really appreciate that question, Ron. And uh, as I said, the platform's coming very soon. Uh, One of the things that we've uh, said, though, is that uh, we are going to make sure uh, that in order to, you know, provide the opportunity for families to have a more affordable life and, and to be able to get the necessities covered, like dental and prescription drugs, uh, that um, we're going to have the you know most uh, wealthy amongst us uh, pay their fair share, uh, as well as the most profitable corporations pay their fair share. And so when I said earlier that we have a, a platform that's fully costed with with a responsible fiscal plan, uh, that's that's part of that plan. Uh, and again, you know, I've talked to a lot of businesses over the years, and so as soon as you talk about these things, they get nervous. But the other thing that we've built in, which people will see when they see our full plan, uh, is a, a, an understanding that business needs time to adjust, and so we're not throwing anything at them, um, you know, without without uh, you know without building in some some time for them to uh, uh, to be able to adapt to uh, to some of these changes and. and and again, uh, one of the things that we've committed to is to make sure that uh, middle-income folks, so middle-class people and lower-income families, are absolutely protected uh, because life has been getting too hard for folks already. They can't seem to be able to get ahead. Uh, in, in some cases, people are falling behind. Uh, they're working harder and harder, uh, but not being able to uh, even save anything for the future. So we need to we need to change that up in a in a province that's as prosperous uh, as prosperous rather as Ontario is. Okay, yeah, thank. But, um, can I have uh, just three quick questions? Uh, uh, no, three. Two, sorry, we have to we have to uh, get to uh, other people. Thanks, Ron, for your call. Uh, but I want to follow up. Uh, Ron took my question, and he talked about the debt. But what about the deficit? This Liberal budget puts Ontario into deficit for six years. Uh, will you be running a deficit? Well, and, and you'll you'll see the details of that. Uh, yes, we will. Uh, but because we are looking to making sure that um, the few things that I mentioned around revenue stream there's a couple of other pieces uh, uh, there are things that um, uh, that that have been identified, for example, where we're, where we're seeping some of the revenues, where we could be putting in place uh, processes to not lose some of the revenues that we should already be getting. Uh, so you'll see all of that laid out. So the answer is yes, uh, but we take a different approach in terms of um, of how we mitigate the size of a, of a deficit. And, and do, can you give us a hint of how big the deficit would be? It's not as big as not as big as what we've seen so far. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> Okay, let's go to Paul in Brampton. Hi, Paul. Hello. How are you, Angela? Great, Paul. Uh, I've got a question. To uh, I'm going back to Bob Ray. Bob Ray built the EPR, put a lot of people back to work. Mike Harris got into power, and Tony Clement stood up in the House of Commons and said, it's gone beyond all our expectations, and two weeks later they sell it for $5 billion. Okay. Then Mike Harris, take with that money, I believe the money went to, expanding from the North Service Highway 11, the North Service Road to North Bay. 
I don't know if you've ever been on it, but it's a waste of money. Hello? I'm Hello. Still, we're still here, Paul. And the other thing I'd like, one more thing. Will you be charging the Americans for the power we produce? Okay, thanks, Paul. I'm going to uh, let you go and let Andrea answer. Uh, so those are two very um, important pieces. Uh, it, it was very uh, problematic that the 407 uh, got sold off by the uh, Conservatives and that now there's this consortium that's uh, raking in a whole bunch of money off of uh, off of the fees that are being charged daily by so many commuters. And so it was a big mistake. You know, I, I don't believe in selling off revenue-generating public assets, uh, whether that it's a, a highway uh, that's that's you know you know historically was told, or, or whether that's the um, you know the uh, the hydro one, the, the revenue generating hydro one, or whether that's the OLG for that matter. So uh, so I have some real issues with the way that liberals and conservatives uh, believe that you know friends in high places uh, deserve the value of our public assets more than the public does, which brings us to the power issue. And yes, I mean we have a hydro plan that's quite different from the liberals and conservatives. Both of them. Uh, uh, believe that the privatization was the right thing to do, uh, and they're both going to keep those plans in place. We, on the other hand, are going to bring Hydro One back into uh, public ownership and public oversight. And yes, one of the things that we do talk about in our plan, which is online and people can go and see it if they like, uh, is to uh, to make sure that we are not um, giving away our power for pre- for free. Uh, that in fact we are doing what other provinces do, uh, which is put uh, in place longer term contracts with these uh, with these jurisdictions and not just sell off the par- power not just dump it on the spot market uh, and in some cases pay them to take it off of our hands absolutely ridiculous and so there's many pieces to a very complicated uh, electricity system uh, but uh, we do have a very uh, cogent plan one that um, we're pretty proud of and that uh, really sets us apart from what the other two parties have in terms of vision for the future on hydro but uh, caveat you don't know What's exactly in those long-term contracts that the Liberals have Oh, absolutely, have absolutely, and we and we've also talked about that. I mean, we're going to be responsible. I mean, we are not going to say we're just going to tear up contracts willy-nilly. I mean, I think that's why we end up with Mr. Livingston in jail today, uh, is because of uh, decisions that were made uh, that were more for political reasons than for you know public interest. So we'll look at them. Uh, if there are clauses in there that are going to cost a lot of money, does does the um, you know does the does the, the contract itself have, you know, greater value in in keeping it, or or is there greater value in paying the price of of whatever is contained in that contract in terms of penalties? We need to look at those contracts and get that decision. Uh, we know that there are many coming due. Actually, many of those contracts are coming due after the next election. So we're going to have a hard look at do we need that power? Which again goes back to uh, the the issue that Paul raised, right? Do we need that power? If we don't need that power, then why would we renew those contracts? So it's a matter of looking at uh, the longer term contracts and whether they are in the public's interest, and also. So the ones that are coming due and whether we actually need to renew them. Okay, let's hear from Rhonda in Kitchener. Hi, Rhonda. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Well, I'm mixed up. Okay. Um, I haven't seen the seniors get a break for years. And I work, I'm a contract worker, that's what they call me, supply. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you're going to help us because I'm not 18 to 25. I'm in between that. I'm a Zoomer. And I desperately need the benefits. And I know personally seniors that their mouth are in severe pain and they need the assistance. And dentists are ridiculous. 
Everything has got the lot of hand. Drugs, dental, any care that you need personally to stay healthy. And I hope that the Andrea that you that you stay to your plan and have all Canadians covered with everything. Because well, we're we're highly taxed in the world, Ontario is, and I can't see why our taxes can't go towards benefits, including doctors and health care. Yeah, no, I mean, I hear you, Rhonda, and that's exactly that's exactly what I believe. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna be asking people to you know pay into the public purse, then the public purse should be used uh, to provide you know supports and benefits for for people uh, to help them you know to to have a, a decent life. And I mean, the kind of pain that people deal with with mouth pain, it, it's interesting. I mean, we have hospitals, we have doctors uh, that are, as I said earlier, that are you know you don't have to pull out your credit card or your checkbook, um, but somehow we forgot the mouth. Somehow that we forgot that the mouth is part of the human body, uh, and and we do know that um, you know causes a great deal of pain when people have uh, dental problems. The other thing is, you know, I met a young man recently. He had broken his tooth on a construction site when he was 18 years old. He's now almost 30, and for eight years he was not able to have that tooth fixed, and so he spent eight years of that you know that youth of his youth with a broken front tooth, and it caused him uh, to lose friends. So his his social kind of interactions significantly reduced. He was embarrassed. Uh, he had a hard time getting work. Uh, he was always you know, covering his mouth when he talked to people uh, and it created a lot of negative impacts in his life. Uh, had he had uh, coverage, had we had this dental plan in place that, uh, that we're putting forward, he would, have, um, he would have had much better outcomes. Okay, now I have to say, uh, we have some very clever callers today who are stealing my questions outright. And I'll just give a little background before I take a call from Bruce in Guelph. And uh, we had a bunch of doctors asking people to make health care a big election issue. And one of their ideas, and it's pretty darn complicated uh, because of the way things are set up, are was let's get rid of those LINs, local health integration networks, which are a whole level of bureaucracy, which a lot of people say are, are just political fall guys. So uh, over to you, Bruce and Guelph. I'll let you finish the question. Well, yeah, that's my question. Are we going to get rid of the LINs? Another boondoggle. Are we going to get rid of some government workers? There's so many out there that really do nothing, and I know some of them, and they admit it up front. Um, and also, I'm 63 years old. I have my own small business, and it is a small business. You know, I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I got no dental plan, no medical plan, and there's really nothing like over 65. I still got to wait two more years for that. I won't be able to retire at 65. I'll be lucky if I retire at 70. Um, I just wonder if, it, you know, we're kind of caught in the middle, I guess, really, uh, of, you know, you do under 25 is getting the free stuff, over 65 is getting it, but in between, we're caught with nothing. Well, I mean, you you make exactly the right point, Bruce, and and that's why we talk about uh, universal access and universality of the programs. I mean, it it, sh- it shouldn't be based on your age whether or not you have access to prescription drug coverage. It shouldn't be based on your uh, your age whether you have um, you know opportunity to have dental coverage. And again, um, these, as was being mentioned by Rhonda, these are things. These are the basics. These are the things that that keep you well and and allow you to have a you know a decent life. And they're also the things that cost a heck of a lot of money uh, if you're on your own and you don't have a plan. And, and of course, two-thirds of, uh, of workers are covered, um, and the, the, the owners of those businesses that cover for workers are also covered in those plans. But, um, you know, it'd be interesting to, um, to hear from you about uh, whether you'd be, you know, 
able to take on uh, the, uh, the little bit of a, an extra expense. I mean, what our plan does is it it's uh, it's uh, for those one third of employers who don't have plans at work. Uh, it allows uh, you to buy in at a at a very reasonable uh, cost, uh, and it's uh, it's a. It's the same time of type of system, so it's premiums by the employer, premiums by the employee, um, and it allows for significant uh, coverage for for dental and for pres- prescriptions is another system, right? It's it's uh, it's it's a completely universal system. Um, but um, what I've heard from other small businesses is they've they've always wanted to uh, try to provide that for their workers, but when they start doing uh, you know the the hard work, when they start looking at the numbers, um, they find that they can't they don't have the capacity. They don't have the financial capacity nor the administrative capacity uh, to provide those because everybody knows, you know, you have a job with benefits. It attracts attracts workers. Like it attracts talent. It uh, it helps to keep your talent uh, at work. I mean, it helps you to uh, to keep uh, staff. So staff retention, uh, and so it's an important piece. Uh, you know, the other just the other quick thing is the lens. And you know, I, I hear the lens are a big uh, issue for folks when they came in. We were very concerned about the fact that they were being used as a shield for government to. Um, you know, basically have the Lins be the bad guy making uh, decisions on how to ration healthcare at the local level. We'll take a hard look at it. It's not something that I, I mean, I'm trying to think about the specifics of the platform, which is coming very, very specific, uh, very, very soon. Uh, but I'm trying to recall the specifics if we uh, tackle Lins per se, or whether we simply allude to the fact that uh, the administrative issues need to be addressed and we need more money uh, going to the frontline care of people uh, in our hospitals and in our healthcare system as opposed to growing bureaucracy. Okay. Uh, thanks for your call, Bruce. Okay. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and we are going to come back with more with Andrea Horvath. We'll take some more of your calls and questions when we return right after this. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are here uh, with Andrea Horvath. She's taking your calls and questions. And before we pick up some of the calls, uh, the last caller asked about small business. You're addressing the Board of Trade tomorrow. That's going to be a tough audience for you. What are you going to tell them? Because uh, you're telling us that uh, wealthier people are going to pay more. Sure. Uh, well, you know, one of the things I think is uh, is pretty clear is that uh, there are going to be things that we agree on and things that we disagree on. Uh, and so um, when it comes to things like housing and, and uh, housing intensification and making sure that uh, that we, when we build infrastructure, transit infrastructure, that we're putting in place the plans to uh, to. to Densify, if you will, or making sure that uh, we're use, using that infrastructure to its maximum capacity. Uh, those are all things that we can agree upon. But there are going to be pieces uh, where uh, where we differ, and uh, the most important thing is uh, to um, to reinforce the necessity for dialogue and uh, and for as I said earlier, uh, in the answer to one of the other questions is. Um, we are going to make changes, but the changes won't be uh, last minute. So again, uh, we've seen some of the moves that the Liberals have made that had impacts on uh, on bu- the business community because they didn't have time to adjust. Uh, I'm talking particularly about minimum wage. Uh, we've been telling the province for years and years, we've been telling Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals, they have to start increasing the minimum wage. They ignored us. And then lo and behold, right before an election, they did it all in one fell swoop. 
I mean, I'm glad people deserve to have $14, $15 an hour,、uh, but they should have done it in a more responsible way. People deserved $10 in 2010 and $12 in 2012.、Uh, so, what, we've, what I've learned from the business community over the years is that even where we disagree,、um, you, you need to have a dialogue. You need to、uh, have the Relationship where you can be upfront about it and say, you know, here's what we're going to do, and we're giving you this heads up、uh, so that you don't get, you know,、uh, caught、uh, without being able to adjust. Okay, and、uh, you said you are going to tax rich people more. So, what's the threshold? Who's rich? How much, you have to, how much do you have to make to be rich? Well, now you're asking me to reveal everything in my platform here with you, Libby, and I can't do that. But,、um, but, but look, we know the cost of living here in Toronto is very, very high. We know people need to earn a significant income、uh, just to be able to make ends meet here. So we're, we are not interested in,、um, in making life harder for folks that are already trying to,、um, you know, to, to, Make a life here.、Uh, that's not what we're interested in.、Uh, but we do know that there are some folks at the very, very top、um, that. What's that? Know that over, over how much? Over $150,000? <laughs> over $200,000? Well, you'll be able to see very, very soon when we reveal the platform. Okay.、Uh, better get to the phones.、Uh, let us go to Maria in Toronto. Hi, Maria. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. You're on the air. Go ahead. I am enjoying your show now. The only question I have. Who is in charge of delivery? Because we're all complaining about hydro. I am in char- I'm kind of very careful、uh, about using, but I have no control about delivery, and my delivery is always higher than my consumption. Who is in charge of that? Well, I mean, it's a really great question, Maria. And、uh, so there's, there's two pieces to it. I mean, the. the You know, the transmission of the hydro from the generation, from the source, so whether that's a nuclear power plant or a gas plant,、uh, the transmission to the delivery、um, organizations comes from the province, but the delivery. To the house comes from the local distribution company. They're, they're called LDCs, local distribution company in Toronto. That would be Toronto Hydro, although Hydro One、uh, also is a distributor in some parts of the province.、Uh, but the delivery charges are, are set by the province and、uh, the Ontario Energy Board and the,、um, uh, the decisions that are made there. And so, again, you're absolutely right. I mean, these kinds of Pieces on the bill、uh, where, you, where you've done your best to you know, conserve energy and yet you're still being hit by these huge delivery charges、um, make people very frustrated. And that's why we need to, to say the current system's not good enough. The current system is not good enough. People deserve a, a system that's much more transparent and that, that actually is affordable and that meets their, their needs and, and、uh, is sustainable. And again,、um, that's not what we've gotten from the Liberals. That's not what Doug Ford plans on doing. He's going to keep everything exactly the Same as it is.、Um, and people need to have you know, an electricity system that's,、um, uh, that we own more of and pay less for. Okay,、uh, just a note about Doug Ford and the PCs. They haven't really、uh, addressed their new platform either. So we don't really yeah, know. Well, we're hearing that they might not even have a platform, Libby. And so、oh. that's, not very, um, that's not very hopeful for the people of Ontario. If, you, if, you,、um, if you're not willing to tell people what you're going to do,、um, then why would they trust you、uh, and put you into office? Question. Okay, well, we'll see. I, th- I think they want to come out with something simplified, but、uh, again, we, we wait for that. Let's go to Jerry in Toronto. Hi, Jerry. Uh, hello. Uh, hi, Andrea. Hi, Jerry.、Uh, I have a question.、Uh, well, I'd like you to address the issue. I'm a small business and I'm、uh, going to fail like many, many small businesses. And、uh, my, my question is、uh, the layers of government. 
Like, I have my master's building license and I have insurance. Now, you would think it would be a simple thing to phone up WSIB and get my compensation number from my company. But it's not like that. There's so many layers that I have. If I can price a building, I'm a window cleaner. So if I get somebody who say, okay, I'll price your job. I have to fill out a form, a 1058A. Uh, go down there, fill it out, then go to the building, get them to sign it, then go back there and get compensation to give me a number. That My question is, why do I have to do this much work? And uh, it, it should be a one, two, three. I'm, I'm being gridlocked by WSIB because I can't get a compensation number to put on my bids for projects. Well, not only... Like, uh, the- I, I just want to interject because I think that, I mean, I don't uh, totally understand um, what Jerry is talking about, and I, I bet a lot of our listeners aren't. So just to simplify, and Jerry, I'm going to let you go and let Andrea answer. You're talking about too much red tape to get a government contract. Is that right? Am I close? Just to get a WSIB number. Yeah. Okay. Just to get a number for my company. Like, I'm independent. I'm not hiring people. I just want to have my own number. Okay. That's all. Okay. But it's not that simple. Thank you. Okay. One of the things that Jerry uh, is identifying, though, as well, is that, you know, we're in 2018. How hard is it to register someone uh, as a a quote-unquote employer for the purposes of WSIB? And why isn't this something that's that people are able to do online even. I mean, so, so we're, we're pretty behind when it comes to making sure that, uh, that we have easy access to uh, government services and, uh, and that we are able to give people, um, you know, a, 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 a kind of a roadmap on, on how to navigate uh, the things that they need to get from government. And it, it, sh- it shouldn't be that hard. It's, it's it shouldn't be that hard. Because there is a whole department or directorate or something that's dealing with the issue of, of red tape and innovation. Yeah, but you know what? We, uh, I, I've been in, in government for, well, I've been in elected politics for a long time. I started in 1997 in the city of Hamilton. And in 1997, uh, they were talking about reducing red tape. Um, you know, I, I think that what we need to do is be more customer friendly. Uh, what we need to do is see the people of Ontario uh, in, in a light that's, um, that's more respectful uh, and that's, that's, uh, that realizes that the whole purpose of government is to serve the public. And let's, let's put that that service kind of mentality back into everything we do. Oh, that's that's a Doug Ford thing. Oh, is it? I had no <laughs> Cust- idea. Customer service. Oh, well, yeah, but it, but it's interesting when you hear frustrations like uh, what Jerry raised, right? I mean, yeah. it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that way. It should be it should be easy to um, get a sense of what it is that you need from government and how it is that you achieve that. And uh, and again, um, yeah, I think that's what makes people you know frustrated when they have to deal with government departments that uh, seem to put them through hoops that they they have no idea why they have to jump through them. Okay, Margaret in Thornhill. Hi, Margaret. Uh, Yeah, hi. Uh, Good morning. My call is directed to Andrea personally. All right. Um, I'm a Canadian citizen living here since the 50s. I've seen what's going on and have always voted. Now, the situation is such. Why did Mike Harris close up six hospitals when they're deadly needed at the moment. Uh, The Branson Hospital, which is very highly uh, populated area, they closed down the wards. Secondly, they closed down uh, the emergency wards. Uh, Like if you come in for emergency, they used to have them seen to by the doctors. Now they close that down. 
I don't know what there is now. I think it's just some machines that are operating. Now, as Premier of Ontario, if you do get in on June the 6th, whatever day it is, would you consider reopening some of the hospitals or refurbishing them, making them habitable and really uh, very appetizing for the people and get the best care what they can? Okay, Margaret, I'm going to let Andrea respond. Uh, Thanks, Margaret, for the question. Um, In fact, when the Conservatives were in office, they closed 28 hospitals and they fired 6,000 nurses. 7,000 hospital beds were lost uh, during that government uh, uh, being in office. And so uh, you've uh, you've raised a really important question. And, of course, we've seen uh, the Liberal government cut back on hospital funding over the last number of years, which has led to the hallway medicine crisis that we have, right? People lined up in, in on gurneys, in hospital hallways, uh, in in lounges, in, you know, patient rooms, in, uh, you know, patient uh, visitor rooms, in, uh, in washrooms. I mean, it's really quite uh, horrendous. People deserve to get their hospital care in privacy, with dignity, um, and not in a public space where uh, everybody can hear what it is that um, the doctors and nurses are talking talking to you about. So, yes, I mean, our plan, which is coming, Margaret, um, in a, a very short time, uh, will include funding the hospitals, not only, um, you know, to ensure that their their pressures around inflation are covered off, but it, it, we specifically talk about population growth and the pressure that that puts on uh, hospital infrastructure. In fact, we need to fund for that, and that includes new hospitals in, in growing areas. But we also recognize that different communities have different needs. And, and so, for example, uh, you know, a hospital in downtown Toronto uh, is going to serve a different population um, than a smaller community hospital in northern Ontario, let's say. And so let's acknowledge that it's not a cookie-cutter approach and that uh, we have to fund hospitals uh, in order to um, ensure that they meet the unique needs of their community. So all of those things we we do address in our platform uh, uh, because we believe that it doesn't have to be this way. It absolutely does not have to be the way it is now. Uh, We can provide reliable hospital service, but we also need to make sure uh, that we're dealing with a long-term care issue and the not only the lack of long-term care beds uh, so we have the alternative level of care patients that are in hospital uh, so we need to deal with that um, uh, but we also have to deal with the some of the horror stories that we hear in long-term care I mean there's a public inquiry right now um, you know, looking into those heinous murders that happened in Woodstock in London, uh, the nurse uh, Wetlawfer who killed those yeah. people. Oh, just horrible. horrendous, horrendous. And so, and uh, we agree that needs to happen. But we also know we, we have a terrible long term care system. It does not provide uh, the quality that people deserve. And so we want to expand that long term care inquiry. So if we form government in the, within the first 100 days, we will expand the long term care inquiry and we'll take a find and fix approach. So as we find, the problems, the systemic problems that leave our loved ones vulnerable in long-term care, uh, we'll fix them as we go. Okay, Andrea, I know you have to go. If Just one sort of quick answer. Um, Doug Ford also says he's going to address hallway medicine. Uh, and another thing he says is that he has a, a very broad appeal that extends to people who often vote NDP. So uh, why are you the better person to take that on? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that... Um, Doug Ford is uh, someone who cuts and privatizes public services. That's what conservatives always do. Um, their last platform, which you identified as not necessarily the platform they're running on now, had $6.1 billion in cuts. Um, and in the leadership race, Mr. Ford said that's not good enough. He's going to cut even deeper. And he also said that he will leave no stone unturned in every ministry across the province of Ontario government uh, to, uh, to look for opportunities to privatize public services. 
prices. Um, sell off public assets. That's not what we need. We've had enough of that in Ontario. Okay. We Andrew, need change for the better. Okay. <laughs> Andrea Horvath, thanks so much. Uh, sorry to the callers we could not get to. Uh, Andrea, uh, will you come back? I hope you'll come back. Always. Just uh, I just need the invitation and I'll be here. Thanks, Okay. Libby. Thank you so much. Okay, people, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, remedial recycling. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.